Jesus is here this morning. And uh, I just don't think we got excited enough about him. I want you to stand to your feet again. Holy Spirit, we give you the absolute authority in this meeting this morning. God, it's great that I'm here. It's great that visitors are here. It's great that everybody's here. But God, we are super excited that you are here this morning. Jesus, you are our healer. You are our deliverer. You bring us freedom. You set us free. You broke every chain that we ever had, and you liberated us to live a life of victory. And God, we do give you the praise this morning because I thank you, God, that the best is yet to come. And God, we live in a realm right now where our God is able. And whatever people are facing this morning, God, I declare right now that you are our miracle, that you are our hope, that you are our victory. And God, we thank you as we lift hands. Come on, lift your hands toward heaven this morning, whoever you are, because God is still on the throne. He's still a miracle-working God. He's not dead, but He's alive, and He can bring you victory, hope, and freedom. He can heal your body this morning. He can take away your fears this morning, and God, the God that I know, can give you incredible victory to live your life exactly as He planned it to be. So in Jesus' name, God, we give you all the honor, all the praise, and we thank you right now in Jesus' mighty name. Sir, as we're praying right now, you've come here with faith. I don't know you. I don't think I know you. But I'll tell you what, you've come here with faith this morning. And the Holy Spirit said, come and tell this man to get ready right now. You're going to get a miracle in this meeting this morning. And I don't know what the miracle is you need, but from the topic, your head right now to the sole of your feet. The power of the Holy Spirit floods right through you. And in Jesus' name right now, we activate the power of the supernatural in Jesus' name. Receive that, brother. The power of God's all on you right now in Jesus' name. This couple right here. Just hop out here because I tell you, God's got a word for you guys this morning. And I hope you are a couple, are you? Okay. <laughs> not just sitting together and hope today. If it was, that could be a word for you right there. But God, I want to thank you right now. I believe that God told me to tell you to get ready to step onto a new level, to get ready to step into what God has already purposed for you. And even today, the expectations of your heart, the expectations, God says, lift up your eyes, dream in your expectation, because God says, I am the God of the impossible. I am the God who breaks through. I am the God who declares this word over your life and what he has declared it will come to pass and in Jesus name boy I'll tell you the power of God comes on you this morning and there's breakthrough all over your life right now in Jesus name receive a miracle in the name of Jesus amen give God one more big hand clap yeehaw hey it's really cool you can now sit down all right because we've done the right thing. I think it's a great thing to honor man, but I'll tell you right now, it's a far better thing to honor God because man will let you down, disappoint you, discourage you, lie to you, um, undermine you, have agendas against you, but God is always for you. Well, don't get too excited about that. <laughs> God is always for you. And my Bible, my Bible says, and I'm a big believer in this, my Bible says if God's for you, who the heck can be against you? That's pretty cool. Don't underestimate that statement because most of us have got things against us, people against us. And what we'll do, we'll elevate the circumstances above the reality of this word. 
This book is everything to me. You better believe it. I live by this book. I live by the truth of the Word of God because circumstances will let you down consistently, consistently disappoint you, consistently let you down. And can I just say one thing? I'm going to share my testimony with you. I don't think I've ever done that in this church. I'm going to share a testimony with you. And... Uh, uh, only because Pastor Justin, awesome man and woman of God, asked me to share my testimony today. I don't like sharing my testimony because I don't want to live in a, in a testimony mode. I want to live in the victory of the now, okay? But I will tell you something right now, just in sharing my testimony, let me uh, um, um, outline it with this statement. Unfortunately, for some of you here who thinks it gets better, I want to tell you today, it never gets better. Okay? I know that's disappointing to hear that in church. It doesn't get better. Life is tough. Circumstances are difficult. Like I said before, people will let you down. I'm not sure it does get any better. My experience in life is it doesn't get any better. But here's what I will say to you. You can get a whole lot better than what you are today. And when we get better, we live above and not below. And we look above the circumstances. In fact, the circumstances no longer mean anything. My life is no longer ruled by circumstances. If it were, I would not be standing before you today. Because the circumstances tell me when I look at my x-ray that I have a broken neck, all right? Do I look like I've got a broken neck? Do I look like I'm paralyzed? No, because I choose not to live by the circumstances but live by this book which declares that I will walk, just right there's a good word, I will walk by faith and not by sight. So my neurosurgeon will say to me, it's an impossibility for you to walk, dance, swim, jump off buildings on bungee ropes and any of that stuff. He will tell me it's an impossibility because I have a broken neck. But what does this say? I am healed by the power of the Word of God. I don't care what the circumstances show. I don't care what, when they put me through another MRI scan to prove that I cannot walk. <laughs> like the bumblebee. Scientists haven't got a clue, friend. If you're a scientist here today, I'm sorry, but you have no comprehension of how big the God is you spoke it into being. When he said, let there be. And at the sound of his voice, creation took place. I would sooner declare with my mouth what this book says than look at the x-ray of my neck and start to worry about what could happen tomorrow. There's my testimony in a nutshell. <laughs> so I have no pain in my body. I have no pins and needles. I have no um, collateral or no residual, sorry, residual effects. And I am a walking, living testimony that God is a miracle-working God. He can heal you today. Most of you will want me to lay hands on you to pray for you if you've got sickness in your body. But the reality is that while we sung the worship this morning, God was here to heal you right in your seat. Who got a miracle as we sung this morning? Come on. Who got a miracle right there? How expectant do we arrive in a meeting like this? I just live in expectation. I have to live in expectation. If I start to live according to the critic or according to the doubter or according to my fears, I'll be, an, I'll be a cripple on the floor here before you can blink. 
I've literally been to the neurosurgeon and walked out of there with a neck brace on because he doesn't think I should walk any further without a neck brace because anything could happen if I slip on a banana skin, which I've done several times. I am apparently going to lose all feeling immediately and crash to the ground, unable to move again. But God's word is bigger. Don't look so surprised at me. God's word is bigger. I believe in the miracle power of a living God. Declare it every day with my mouth. Get out of bed and speak to my central nervous system, calling it whole and complete as God's word declares it to be. Because if I don't, I'll begin to feel the effects of my neck and I'll begin to feel paralysis in my arms and situations. But if I live by the word of God, I will find that I will rise up, speak to my central nervous system, calling you whole and complete as God's word declares you to be. I activate my central nervous system right now to line up with the living word of a holy God. And right now, I will walk today with zero pain. I will live today with complete use of every limb in my body, with complete feeling and complete victory because the God who lives in me is bigger than the circumstances I'll face today. Yeehaw! <laughs> Just to get you excited. That, that, I am excited about God. I, I mean, I am excited. I am literally excited, okay? Um, Boy, I am excited. I am missing my own church this morning. It's an honour to be here, though. And I want to thank you for having me here. I think it's an absolute honour. Um, um, oh, my goodness. Um, uh, I'm going to just, re- I, I want to read you this because this is a girl who I met only two weeks ago. I met her two weeks ago. Yeah, I met her two weeks ago. <laughs> and anyway. And I was talking to this girl. I didn't know her from Bar Sofa, right? And uh, anyway, uh, she was serving me. And I said to her, you know what? She, I, I said, what's your name? She said, my name's Destiny. And I said, oh, my God, God's just given me a word for you, Destiny. Not hard to get a word for a Destiny, incidentally. <laughs> like if somebody says their name's Destiny, I mean, instantaneously, if you're born again, you've got a word for her. Otherwise, what are you reading? Woman's Weekly? Playboy? Because if you're reading all those magazines, you won't have a word for her. But if you are reading the Word of God, you'll have a word for her. Because that's what my Bible says, that you will have the gifts of the Holy Spirit flowing out of your life. And there's no excuse for a person to be born again and not have a word for somebody. I, that's how I live. And, and listen, I got born again on the 10th of October. Tuesday, I should name it. Tuesday, it's good to remind the devil when you got born again. I love reminding him. Devil on Tuesday, the 10th of October, 1978, at 10 p.m., I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. I gave him the keys to my heart. He came in. He unlocked my heart because I gave him the keys to it. He unlocked and he came in and he's never, ever left. I bowed at the foot of the cross that day. I realized the, I understood the intention and the reality of the cross, which is all across our world. No, you can't hardly drive down the street without seeing the reality of the cross. And understanding the meaning. And that day on the 10th of October 1978, for the first time in my life, I understood the meaning of the cross. 
And the cross simply means, just for you, I don't know, maybe some visitors. Any visitors in the house today, like me? You're a visitor? No? Oh, yeah, a couple. God bless you. It's great to have visitors in the house always. I'm a visitor. God bless you, man. Fantastic to be in the house with that. So that day, uh, Tuesday, 10th of October, 1978, I realized that the cross was not a symbol of religion. And unfortunately, that's what it's become. And for most of our world, it's become a symbol of a religious, boring, ridiculous, church-cursed reality of, dead, of a dead God who's still hanging on a cross. And that's what many, many, sadly to say, religion across our planet has given us a Christ that cannot restore you. A Christ that cannot break the chains of sickness off your body. A Christ that cannot be real enough to live in a real world and confess the real issue of the fear and the doubt and the hopelessness I'm dealing with. But a religion that would say, if you don't live on this bar and pretend that you're at least there, you will be unaccepted by the church. But I found a Christ that day that accepted me at the lowest ebb of my life. And he said, Don, I love you regardless of your past, regardless of your circumstances. And he said to me, in fact, today if you receive me as your Christ, I will give you a brand new start in life and your past will never affect you again and you will have a brand new future. And I don't care what the past dictated in your life, but today he said you can start to write a brand new chapter and the end of it will be exactly what you start with it today. So whatever you're dealing with today, whatever your past has dictated, brought into your life, cursed your life with, held you back with, can I say this to you today? Start a brand new chapter today and I guarantee you, you can already begin to write what the last chapter will look like. You can already, because the cross, here's what the cross simply means for you today just in case you don't understand it clearly, and maybe you've got this religious thing around you, but the cross simply means this. It's so simple. He crossed out my sin. Chris Cross. We, at least I understood that. I went to school and I was always getting the Chris Cross. <laughs> Big red Chris Cross on most papers I ever submitted. And so uh, the potential to feel like a failure. And so many in life have had Chris Crosses against them. Crisscrosses in relationships, crisscrosses in education, crisscrosses in finance, poverty, gripped, crisscrosses in hope, crisscrosses in failed expectations. But I found that God said, I'm going to cross all that out and I'm going to give you a brand new start. That's the victory of Jesus, guys. That's why I'm in love with Jesus and people will mock you, ridicule you for that. But I am in love. I am fiercely, passionately, unashamedly in love with Jesus. Hallelujah. And uh, he's here. And anyway, so I met Destiny. That was all about meeting Destiny. You have no excuse if you've been set free and had the past crisscrossed out not to bring a word of hope to somebody. You know, like seriously, we're good at criticizing. We're incredibly good at gossip. We're incredibly good at negativity. We're just good at those things. I don't know why. I have trained myself. I have intentionally trained myself to be 
a gossip destroyer. Okay? Live in that realm. If I get around gossip and negativity, negativity, if I hang around people who are negative, I begin to feel the symptoms and the effects of my paralysis in my neck because I've got five crushed bones in my spine that are all knitted around my spine right now. Never had an operation, never had any of that stuff. Don't need it. And, uh, and, uh, but the bones have healed around my spine in such a way that my spinal cord now at best is the thickness of your fingernail, not your little finger, which it should be. But I live with zero effects of that because God is bigger. The God who put the universe into place with one just one speech, one sentence, one quote of his voice activated the end, put it into place in such a degree that if it were to go one or two or three degrees out of the, 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 the axis it's on right now, we would have all sorts of chaos broke loose on this planet that would be un, un, unexplained, unlivable, unperceivable, but God holds it all together with one word. Boy, I get excited about that. Because then he said to mankind, I'm going to give you the power to speak with the same authority that I speak. Obviously, we do not have the ability to create, create things, but we can recreate God's purpose and God's destiny through our spoken word. So a body that's broken, we can recreate what God's purpose was and destiny and and. and project it onto a person's life, into their spirit, and they'll rise up healed. That's why when I prayed for a dead baby that didn't have any life in it, God miraculously put breath back into that dead child and began to live again. That's why in Africa recently when I prayed for a girl, sorry, a boy, a boy with no eyes, that God miraculously put eyes back in his head. That, that, that's why, that's why, in the Western world, we live with such incredible skeptical mindsets of what God can do. We're skeptical. We're skept- You're probably skeptical about my story. You're skeptical. We get skeptical about everything. But I've learned not to live in the realm of a skeptic, but to live in the realm of a believer. Simply, I believe God's word. Simply, to put it all down to simplicity today, I believe God's word. And when you believe God's word, all things are possible. That's why God said in John 10.10, 10, um, the thief comes to kill, steal, destroy. Oh, boy, I can give you lots of those encounters. Steal, kill, destroy. He loves robbing you. He robs you of your joy if you're not careful. You'll start to be the most miserable person on the planet if you're not careful. He loves to steal your joy, rip your joy off. But God came, and this is what he said, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, John 10.10, 10, but I have come. Man alive, Jesus came that you might have life and life to the full. I live a very full life. I think we live very small. I think we live caged in. I think I'm here to break people's cages today in Jesus' name, okay, and break you out of your cage. Um, Destiny, I was just telling you about destiny. That's where we got onto this, okay. How many are waiting for me to finish the story of destiny? (laughs) Okay, so Destiny, I met her two weeks ago, and uh, I got talking, and I said, hey, Destiny, obviously don't know her from Bar of Soap, and she was serving me, and I said, Destiny, here's a funny thing, God just gave me a word for you, 
It's not hard to get a word for a person called destiny. I think I already said that. But it's a piece of cake. And I said, destiny, hey, I see hope in your eyes, destiny. I see hope that's been dashed, hope that's never become a living reality in your life. But I'm here today by divine appointment of God to tell you that God is about to unlock your life. God is about to give you faith and hope. In fact, you have faith on the inside of you, but God's going to bring it to the surface and you're going to start living out your dreams and your expectations, which is pretty awesome, really. And, and that, this is two weeks ago, all right? Two weeks ago. So... Um, then she served me and then uh, there was a break of about 20 minutes and then she came back to me and she said this to me it's amazing that you said that to me today she said I've just realized that one year ago today one year ago today the day I was there the day God put me into that shop the day God gave me a word for her one year ago today she said I actually accepted Jesus as my saviour she said, I've just realized this is my birthday. And she said, here's the sad thing. I never, ever followed through. The person never followed up on me. Always follow up on someone, whoever you have contact with, follow up on them, get their numbers, their details, get them on your list, pray for them every day, break through. Anyway, she said, I never followed up. Well, I, I, I never followed through with that. Nobody ever followed up on me. And she said, it's just sort of gone in my life. But I've just realized it was one year ago. And I said, well, Destiny, why don't you come to our church just down the road? It's called Inspire. Why wouldn't you turn up there? And that was pretty much it. And off we went our different ways. And on Sunday, last Sunday, Destiny turned up, brought a friend who's never been to church in her life called Liv. And Destiny and Liv turned up in our church. Incidentally, when I was talking to her, she told me about the guy that was her partner that she was living with, okay? And I didn't even batter an eyelid because who would dare live in judgmental attitude or condemnation of people who are outside the love of Christ and don't know his relational voice and don't understand the concepts of what we should understand and fail at all the same all the time, okay? So how dare we judge or make, make any kind of expectation on someone in that realm? So I didn't batter an eyelid. Nonetheless, she turned up last Sunday and she turned up with her friend Liv. And she said, I just thought I'd bring Liv along because I told her about you and she said she's never met anybody like you. Don't you love it? Remember that, the woman at the well? She went back and got the whole town because they'd never heard of anybody like this Jesus dude. And uh, we've got Christ on the inside of us. So same thing should happen, rarely happens, but should happen. And so she brought her friend Liv along just because she wanted to meet the guy who told Destiny that she's got hope, faith, and an expectation in her life. And so Liv and Destiny arrived. I saw them, so I invited them to come and sit on the front row, all right? Front row. Because the problem is when you sit on the back row or the, any of these other rows, you get to watch people picking their fingernails in the middle of worship and you get to clean their ears out and all sorts of things that are going on. And you get to focus on that instead of focusing on the cool women and girls right there, right there, right there, who were leading us into the presence of God this morning. And you get to focus on a whole lot of other stuff. But man... She, I wanted them sitting right in the presence of God. At the end of that meeting, they both gave their lives to Christ. Rededic uh, um, Destiny rededicated her life. Liv gave her life to Christ for the first time. Then, just happens, last Sunday we had our first thing, uh, our first thing called Heart of Inspire, which is our step one, and we call it New Friends. And they came to our New Friends, which is an hour and a half, where we just tell them about who we are, what God is, what He can do and change your life. And uh, they came along to that. And then, that was it. 
away they went. I got this text from her this week, okay? This is a person who's been born again for one week, all right? She sent me this, Pastor Don, I am, this is what I got yesterday. I am so excited. I absolutely love the Heart of Inspire on Sunday, and my life is so different. Yeehaw! <laughs> my life is so different. I did that shape test you talked about. Man, it's pretty cool. I was actually feeling a bit blah and average this week not, uh, for not knowing something I'm really good at. So this was a really good experience for me, and I'm really happy with my top three, which just happened to be apparently I'm an encourager, 81%. I'm also a giver. At 78%, and apparently I have this gift of mercy showing 78%. How cool is that? And then she goes on to say, I am so looking forward to serving in some area of Inspire Church now. Thank you for all you have done to encourage me to walk a life of faith and be reintroduced to the power of the love of Jesus. That is flipping outstanding. Hey, here's what it goes on to say. Today I am bringing my partner. That's awesome. Liv wants to get back there too, but I'm bringing my partner, which is so exciting, and I ain't there to see it. I'm very disappointed. Okay. That's a, that, that's, and we're meant to be talking about my testimony. I'm trying to get there, but I've told you part of it. And, uh, but let me tell you right now, I believe, and I want to say this today, that I believe life is 10% what happens to you and 90% of how you respond. Okay, so obviously I had a serious accident a few years ago before I became paralysed, and um, it was a quad bike accident which which uh, smashed five bones in, in my neck, which obviously you end up paralysed in hospital. That's just how it goes, all right? Bad things happen to good people. I think I was good. I'm not that good. If my wife was here, she'd tell you that I'm probably not that good, okay? And uh, reality is we are as good as our relationship with Christ, Because he said, I will break the curse of your past. I will demolish sin over your life. And you will have a victorious, faith-filled, Holy Spirit life. And our righteousness is not about my good works. Our righteousness is about Jesus on the cross saying, I took it all and you've got the victory. Don't, don't, like, man alive. Hello. I just find those things so exciting because I meet people every week. Every week of my life I meet people. Supposed to be sharing my testimony. Trying to stick with it. Um, So anyway, here I was paralyzed and it looked bad. It looked bad, honestly. It looked terrible. I was depressed. I was without hope. I was, man, you're paralyzed. Nothing, you can't feel nothing from here down. Your whole body is like no feeling. Um, I, I began to be incredibly, doctors were telling me, you're never going to walk again, that's it, I'm sorry, this is how you're going to spend the rest of your life. But how many know God's bigger than that? And so then my wife came in, Julia came in, and she was mad at me for being depressed, okay? Good to have a good person around you, okay? Good to have a good, get a, get a good person like Get people alongside you who sharpen you up. People who won't agree with you. I hate people agree with me when I'm being negative. I want people who say, what's up with you, buddy? You know, get, here's the biggest lesson we could learn in life. Part of my testimony would be this, get over yourself. Your number one enemy is yourself. The more you think about self, the worse your life will get. Trouble is with the Western world, we are fixated with self. 
we take more selfies than like, like the number of selfies that were taken last year. It, it, I forget it. I read it the other day. It's a phenomenal number of selfies that we've taken, which would prove that we're fixated with self. You are. You're fixated with self. Go to a mission trip into Rarania in the middle of Africa and find out how fixated with self you are. Find out how involved we are with our little self world, how we have to be comfortable, how we have to be this. You are fixated with self. God didn't tell us to come and be people who are around all of ourselves. We need to be loving people beyond the boundaries of our life. We need to live a little bit bigger. Stretch out your tent pegs, get in love with Jesus, number one, and he'll cause you to have a love for people beyond yourself. It'll stop you gossiping. The only reason we gossip is because we're fixated with ourselves. Get over yourself and live bigger, okay? I should say sorry if it's making you angry, but it's good. If, it's ma- if, you, if you come to church and you hear a lullaby, three points in a poem, and you go home unchanged, it's a waste of time ever being there. But if you come and you get mad at the preacher, it's the best thing that ever happened because God will stir you to get out of your comfort zone and live a life that's actually worthy of Jesus going to the cross, rising again, so that we could carry an anointing on our life that changes every environment we're in. And then we turn up, and that's when we turn up and God changes the lives of people around us because God has put us on this planet, not about us, but about others. Everybody say others. That wasn't good enough. Others. Tap the person next to you and say, you are meant to be about others. So on that point, I'd ask you, On that point, I might challenge you today, how's your list going? Because if it's meant to be about others, you should have a list of people that you are literally caring for and loving and that you believe that Jesus didn't die on the cross just so you could have a nice little westernized life and everything goes together and we, 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 we speak faith, we kind of speak faith out of hints that people would bless us so that we can declare that we had mirror. But God wants you to live a life of faith about others so that we are consistently lifting up others, so that we're believing for the destinies of this world, so that we get along the, alongside. My church is probably going to listen to this podcast. So we can, I was just thinking of that. So we get alongside people of whom I will not give her name today, people who fail, people who come into church who have failed a million times in life, who never feel like they can get up. And we judge them from where we are because we went through the school of hard knocks and we've arrived where we are. And now we burn down the school that we learned all the hard knocks in and they never have a chance to grow up and mature in their pain and in their disappointment and in their failure so part of my testimony is that I always want to remember that I came through the toughest school you could come from I was I'm born out of wedlock I'm a bastard if you like but that's never affected me even though I was a rebellious young man and lived my life out of control God forgave me and I was able to be taught by great people and encouraged by great people that I can do better and then I can live above the bar if I allow Christ in me the hope of glory and so I don't want to burn down the school that someone else would come through in their pain and disappointment and so one woman in our church who was formerly in, uh, in, in what you talked about this morning I worked in, in prostitution and stuff and, uh, and when she came into church broken we can only love her we can only love her and accept her for who she is and what she is in God 
and we daren't condemn, we daren't judge. Will she fail? Will she mess up a million times? Will we continue to love beyond the boundaries of our religious mindset of perfection and bull that we say we've made it now and you better get up to my level? That's rubbish, guys. Every one of us fail every week. But if we will love beyond the barriers of what would be termed religion and encourage them, walk beside them, say you can do it, even when they believe they can't do it, if we will say you can do it. And, and oh boy, oh, let me read the text from it. I got this too. I got this. This woman, seven years, okay, seven years, I've had her on my list. Seven years, you're on my list to be a woman of God. Seven years, you've been on my list to be a champion in Jesus' world. And she would say this to me, I'm a waste of time. I am a loser. I am absolutely disgusting. That's what she would say to me. Wherever you think you are at today, let me prophesy over you today. You are here by divine appointment of a God who cares and a God who made a way where there was no way and a God who can bring me out of my paralyzed bed, can bring you out of whatever shame you've walked in and bring you into victory today. Hallelujah. That's when you're allowed to yell out that semi-religious word. Hallelujah. Here's what you just sent me this week. This, this blew me away. I've got to be honest with you. This blew me away. And here's why. Because a little while ago, I felt that it's time for her to go to a new level. I do a thing called World Changes, okay? It's really a boot camp for people to get over themselves and become people of faith. And so I do a thing called boot camp. Anyway, she couldn't afford the $400 to belong to boot camp. So I said, I'm going to pay it for you. She said, what a waste of money that would be. I said, no, no, that would be an investment in your life, honey. And, uh, and uh, so I decided to invest in her life. Anyway, and, and on the first night of World Changes, she came to me and she said, I hate this thing. I can never attain even the bar of your first night. I can't do this. I don't even understand where you're coming from. I cannot do it. I said, I don't care. I paid your fee. You're going to be here. <laughs> this is what I got this week. Pastor Don, I just wanted to say thank you so, 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 so much. I hope I don't cry. Okay. In fact, I don't even know if I can read it. Um. Thank you because you never stopped believing in me and encouraged me, even though I've failed you so many times. And you know, people will fail you. They'll break your heart. They'll let you down. But will you keep believing? The God who delivered you, and I came into, I got delivered and forgiven for things that are unmentionable in this meeting. But I'll tell you, the God who forgave me, if I can't believe he'll forgive you, if I can't believe that God will take you through it, I'm a waste of time. Because the, the reality of what God brought me through can only be a reality in what I will believe for you. Anyway, let me try to continue. Okay? Um, you've never stopped believing in me and encouraged me, even though I have failed both you many times and God, of course. Too often I have slipped into my past ways. Oh, so often. I want to thank you, though, because you stayed faithful to God. That's a key right there. Where will you stay? 
I know you get up each day and praise and thank God for me and many others. Thank you for never, ever giving up on God. Just as many others have shared, sometimes, some, oh, sorry, something leapt inside me the very first time I ever heard you speak. It ignited faith, which is a good thing, which has never left me. And the faith that you imparted into me that day has kept me to this day. Selflessly, consistently, relentlessly, you have encouraged and inspired me and been Christ-like to thousands upon thousands of people that wouldn't be where they are today if it wasn't for your faithfulness, dedication, love and reverence and obedience to God's voice when he asks you to speak to people like me who don't deserve it. God's on the throne. And he will bring a breakthrough in your life. So... That there is a testimony of incredible breakthrough in the life of a person who considered that they didn't deserve. Whoever you are today, can I tell you God loves you? Can I tell you he's a miracle-working God? Will you go through pain? Yes, you will. After I got healed, miraculously healed of being a, a, a paralytic, done a pitiful job of sharing my testimony, sorry. Um, um, then I got the horrible news that one day, got the horrible. In fact, I just walked. I could just walk to our letterbox. I was walking by faith because I couldn't feel one limb on my body. I couldn't feel anything, but I was walking by faith. Every day I confess uh, four times over my body, "You will walk by faith because of God's word." And I activated my central nervous system to respond to the word of God rather than my feelings. And it caused me to walk in faith. The Bible says in Hebrews, sorry, Mark 11:22, simply says this, have faith in God. What's your faith in today? You can have your faith in a lot of things. Um, yeah. Like the atheists, we sat beside flying here two weeks ago, Mark. We flew to this country two weeks ago. And I had the privilege of sitting beside an atheist. An intense atheist. An atheist who'd been an atheist for many years, his father and his mother were atheists, is what he was telling me. They're all atheists. My whole family are atheists. And he went on and on about the atheistic stance that he had. And I could tell he wanted an argument with me. And uh, I, there was no reason, really, other than the fact that when I first met him, I said, hi, I'd love to introduce myself. My name's Don Because when people sit beside you on an aeroplane, Jesus was a master of conversation. Conversation's the best thing you can ever do. And I shook his hand like that. Yours is such a dry, beautiful handshake, by the way. His hand slap, his handshake was like shaking a pound of melted butter. And after it, I looked at my hand and his skin was all over my hand. So much so that I wanted to dash to the bathroom immediately to rub, rub off whatever disease I may have just become connected to not knowing whether it was contagious or not. Then I looked at his hand just to prove that, and I noticed that the end of his fingers down to the first knuckle were all eaten away and it disappeared off his hand. And I wondered why his hand felt so weird when I shook it. And I said, well, my name's Don. What's your name? He said, my name's Simon, okay? And I said, well, that's a pretty cool name, you know? We've lost the art of conversation. We can only text people these days. That's all we can do. And, uh, and talk about people and gossip about people. But I wanted to be 
anointed of God in that situation. He was anointed with some sort of sickness, skin disease that had the sweat making his hand feel incredibly greasy. I was anointed with the dripping oil of the Holy Spirit on my life, which can shift the atmosphere in an aeroplane and cause doubt, fear, and atheism to shrink to the size of nothing while the power of God becomes evident in that plane. And he begins to feel in his own spirit that he's met something that is far bigger than his stupid atheistic beliefs. The only reason I say that is because God told me after he'd raved on about atheism that today atheism is going to bow to the name of Jesus. Is it any wonder by the time I got off that airplane he was born again? <laughs> and, and Simon, the reason, I, uh, the reason we got into atheism is because he said, my name's Simon, um, um, yeah, um, I'm a Jew, I'm a Jew. That's what got it going. My name's Simon and I'm a Jew. And I was like, cool. And then he said, my parents are Jews. My father's a Jew. My mother's a Jew. We shifted over from Israel a few years ago and we're Jews. And I said, do you know Jesus? Because he was a Jew too. (laughs) Just the coolest opportunity. Like you don't have to be religious to say that. You don't even have to be like a Bible-bashing idiot to do that. You're just following conversation. Well, they're all Jews. I, I read about this guy, Jesus. He was a Jew. Do you know him? And uh, that's when he got on to we're an atheist. I know I'm an atheist. Our family are atheists. Everybody's atheists. And we're renowned atheists and all this sort of stuff. And, and then I said, I let him rave on because he wanted an argument. Okay? A lot of people want to argue about religion and all that bull it's just rubbish really and uh, he raved on and on and I thought well I never argue with anybody it's just not worth arguing I'm a miracle walking on on promises of God so there's nothing to argue about is there and uh, and you, know, you look at the universe and look at the planets to so just know man when you're out in the middle of the Pacific two, 200 nautical miles from any bit of 900 nautical miles, sorry, from the nearest bit of terra firma, and you look up to the sky, you're pretty convinced there's a God who's in control of everything. So I just said to him, but Simon, can I just say one word? This is after the Holy Spirit told me he's going to get saved today. And uh, Simon, can I just say one word? Simon the Jew. And uh, I said, Simon, you know what? God sat me beside you on this plane today to tell you how much he loves you. And right there, the atmosphere shifted over that airplane. And Simon had a little bit of a tear come in his eye. And I knew right there, God had cracked the devil's lie and caused him to receive the hope and love of God. He said things like this to me. Nobody usually even talks to me. Nobody approaches me because I know I smell. I know my skin is shedding as I talk to you. I know that I'm, my handshake is horrible. People won't talk to me or they won't come near me. But you've stepped a cross that border, that boundary of, of your self-living little world and come into my world. And I want to thank you for that, he said. And after that, the story, and then he said, uh, and I told him, I said, I said, Simon, I was reading about you in the Bible this morning in the book of Matthew. <laughs> and he said, actually, my second name's Matthew. <laughs> and I said, Simon, it's a done deal. <laughs> I literally said that to him. We were in full-flowing conversation by now. Simon, it's a done deal. You're going to get born again today. And Simon sort of looked at me, you know. Boy, you are right on the planet here. He, I could tell he was thinking that. You're on to it. 
And uh, so we talked a little bit more. Then I said, you know what? And, I, of course, we're talking a four-hour flight. It was a long way. I started talking about my miracle, how God's healed me, how, how I was trapped, this arm wouldn't work, and how that this was in a sling and nothing would work. And then when I, got, I was walking into this airline lounge and Pink was in the airline lounge, I didn't know, that, I didn't know Pink. I didn't even know her group. But anyway, I walked up to make myself a coffee. And when I walked up, and I was telling him all this, and I said, I walked up to make a coffee, and this arm was in a sling from my paralysis and still wouldn't work. It was the only thing doctors said we may have to amputate the arm because you can't live with a dead arm. And I said, but when I was walking up to get a coffee, this girl pink, I didn't know it was pink, but this girl's walking toward me and the Holy Spirit said, we make her a coffee and I'll heal your arm. So I thought, why wouldn't you? So I made her a coffee and I had to argue with her to make her a coffee because she wanted to make her own coffee for some reason. And anyway, I ended up making her a coffee and right then after I'd made it all with this arm, power came into this arm, supernatural power. I reached out this arm, glad the, handed her the coffee without spilling one drop in an arm that had been paralyzed for eight months and handed her the coffee and my arm was 100 pounds. And I said, baby, not baby, I said, lady, <laughs> although baby would work with her, lady, that is a miracle coffee. And she said, why is it a miracle coffee? I said, you saw me pull my arm out of the sling. That hasn't worked for eight months. And here's the coffee for you. God told me that he would heal it if I made you a coffee. That's why I was pretty intense about making you the coffee. She said, why don't you come and share that with our group? I said, what's your group called? She said, it's called Pink. You might have heard of it. And I said, well, yes, I have. I said, is Pink here anywhere? And she said, she's somewhere in the building. Because I didn't recognize her. I went and sat down. I sat down with them for approximately an hour and a half sharing my testimony, God's glory, God's victory with them. God opened up the heavens. They asked me to pray for every one of them. I prayed for the entire team before they went and did their next concert. And then at the end of it, when I had to go and catch my airplane, I said to the security guard who was standing on the door, I said, mate, I spent a great time with that group called Pink over there. I just wish I'd met Pink. And... uh, And uh, he said to me, are you kidding? You've been talking to her for the last hour. (laughs) And, uh, but it just shows you God will open doors that no man can open. Well, I was going to tell you, and I'm going to finish with this, all right, because my time's up. I'm going to finish. Is this okay? If I finish with this? I'll just finish with this. I don't want to keep you all day. I'll just finish. When I got healed, I could finally walk and I was doing good. And then I got a phone call one morning. Sorry, one afternoon, afternoon, at exactly 4.30 actually, how could I dare call the morning? And it was the police and they called me and they said, I picked up my, (laughs) there we go, I picked it up, my mobile phone, and the police said to me, we have very sad news for your son's just been killed on State Highway 16. And I slammed the phone, I called him an idiot first, slammed the phone and hung up and that was that. And then my my son's wife's father rang me and said, why did you hang up on the police? Because a nasty word to hear. And he said, mate, it's true. Regan's just been killed. Uh, my 30-year-old son just been killed on the side of the highway. And a truck had crane run over him. Very horrible situation. And remember, I've been paralysed. That's why I said, I'm not sure it gets any better or easier I think we get better. And I struggled to deal with that. And I lost my faith in God. This is it. Like all along that, I've come so far, but I lost my faith in God. 
I said, how can you be a God and allow this to happen? How can you be a loving God and allow this to happen? I thought I understood you to be a good God, and I got madder than you could ever imagine. So mad, I tore pages out of my Bible, threw it all around my office, locked myself in my office for three days, and just basically threw my Bible at the wall a thousand times, ripped pages out of it, told God it was a load of bull, which is ridiculous. Told him I didn't believe in him anymore, but it's stupid when you're telling someone you don't believe in them and you're actually telling them that. And I didn't realize the stupidity of that. And because uh, you go crazy when someone you love who is close to you is suddenly taken away from you and you struggle with your faith and believing in God. But here, here and I, I don't want to, I could spend hours telling you this, but anyway, on the third, on the third, just before the third, interestingly, Jesus rose from the dead on the third day, okay? Jesus brought victory. If you study the third day throughout the Bible, it's a pretty incredible day. But anyway, on the dawn of the third day, I was in my office, hadn't spoken to anybody, was really mad at God and furious and torn pages, most of the pages out of my Bible. And I grabbed it one more time and I said, this thing just doesn't work. And I threw it against the wall and it fell down the ground open to the book of Job, which I suddenly came to a realization that I meant to be a Job. Okay, if you've ever studied Job, he had the most horrific life. He lost everything. All of his family were killed, taken away from him in a matter of moments. And uh, but he on this on that's on the first chapter of Job. On the second chapter of Job, he is found to be worshiping the God his creator and saying, These are the words that got me, all right. So I started reading Job, fell on my face reading Job, and I read these words, Yea, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And I realized that I had understood God to be a good God. I had understood a lot of things about God. Even to that stage, I understood him to be a healer. But I had not got to the realm where I trust God with anything in my world. Even though you slay me, yet will I trust you. And there's a massive shift from understanding to trust, which can unlock your faith into a realm of anything is possible. Since that day, I have literally led thousands of people to Christ, seen miracles like you would that blow you away simply because it shifts from understanding in other words the circumstances must line up to my understanding of you being a good God instead of I trust you God regardless of the circumstances you are an amazing God and you are a miracle worker regardless of the circumstances and it shifted my life into a place of incredible faith and I would say today that my faith is on a new level of believing that all things are possible with the God I serve my son was dead yeah but God came and reminded me of how very very good he was he set me free that night even there see God can meet you in the point of your darkest hour God can meet you there it's amazing we can get in some pretty dark places guys and here I was dark depressed my son's been killed for heaven's sake and after reading that and I stood up and I began to worship the God of all creation in the middle of my pain I began to worship and here's what happened here's what literally happened okay I could I can see it as clear as I can see you today in the wall of my office I saw God it would have been the Holy Spirit, I guess, but he walked straight through the wall. And he does that, all right? He walks through walls, you know? Read when he rose from the dead. We serve a resurrected Christ who can walk through wall. He walked through the wall into the disciples, eating some
some food and brought hope to them. And he walked through my wall and all of a sudden my eyes became open into the supernatural dimension, the realm that we don't often see. And I saw my heart on the ground and here's what I saw. I saw a broken, you all know ceramic tiles. I saw a ceramic tile that had been shattered on the ground in the, sh- in the semi-shape of my heart. He knelt down and he picked that up in one hand and then he walked right He was all sparkly. He was like the most sparkly, unbelievable, peaceful, the room, fear left, hopelessness left, and incredible destiny came upon me in that moment. And then he reached out and he put that heart and he pushed, pushed right there. And I'll tell you right now, every bit of grief left me, every bit of pain left me, and I, God reminded me that he is a God of eternity and that our trust is in him, not in the circumstance. And I've been healed ever since and able to testify that even in death, God is a God of victory. He is the God of resurrection. Hallelujah. And uh, that's pretty much. And uh, I had the most beautiful experience last week. I'll just finish with this one thought. I had the most beautiful experience last week because people say goofy things to you about your son being killed, mostly because they don't know what to say. You know, what do you say when you just meet someone who's had a loved one close to them die? Are you okay? How are you doing? That's, in fact, can I just hopefully teach you here if you meet people, and some of you have been there, and I know there'll be people in this meeting that have lost incredibly dear loved ones. And, uh, but here's just a thought for the future. When you talk to someone like that, how are you doing today? Like today I'm okay, but yesterday I, was, I, I couldn't handle it. You know, and a, a young girl came up to me just last week. Mark and I were over here sharing in a meeting, and a young, beautiful, young 19-year-old girl, she was a twin, and she came up to me and she said, Pastor Don, I'm so sorry to hear about your son. Has God been telling you how he's doing lately? That was probably the sweetest thing I have ever heard in my life. It made me cry right there. Has God been telling you how he's doing lately? Friend, let me finish here today. How are you doing? How you doing where you are today? Where are you at? How's it going, you know? We get into church and we put on masks if we're not careful that we're all okay, that everything's going well, and that life's cool. But I want to ask you about your heart today. How you doing today? Yesterday may have been okay. Last month might have been okay, but you might be in a place today where you even doubt your own faith. We even doubt your own purpose. You could be here today thinking, man, I don't don't even know if I belong. But God says to you today, you're in the right place at the right time. That's a word for somebody here right now. You're in the right place at the right time. God says, I will walk through anything to take a hold of your hand and lift you up today. I'll walk through any pit that you're in. I'll walk into any prison that you have been encaged in. Prisons of fear. Prisons of lack, prisons of inferiority, not knowing who you are any longer. I was born conceived out of wedlock and have been told or called a bastard in my life, but know today that there's a God in heaven who loves me like his own precious adopted son. And you can't live anywhere better than knowing that he, I don't care what anybody in this world thinks, to know that he loves you, I have the more confidence than you could possibly imagine. I have zero fear in my life because when you know you're loved by God, everything else pales into insignificance. Maybe here today and you have unforgiveness against people. 
Maybe today you're walking, you can be a Christian. You can park yourself in church and hope that you'll be a, a Christian. Park yourself in a garage, you won't become a car, and it's the same in church. But what God says, I want you to become more like me. So he gives you the power to forgive those who have tormented you, hurt you, discouraged you, and caused you great pain through life. I've had to learn the lesson of what it is to forgive so that I hold nothing against any living human being. And then God says, now you're in unity with me. Now you're in unity with me. That's why God said, behold how good and how pleasant it is when the brethren dwell together in unity, dwell in unity. That's why we have church services. That's why people come to church, because we need to dwell together. It's a funny thing. We think we can be a Christian all by ourselves, but you can't be a Christian by yourself. If you're separated from the gathering together of God's people, you will never, ever fulfill your destiny because God said you've got to dwell together in unity. That means we have one heart, one vision, one purpose. In a church like this, I've no doubt you have an incredible vision of where God's leading you. And then here's what happens. Then God says the oil will flow from the top of your head to the very edges of the hem of your garment, which lacks in church today. In churches right across this world, it's the most lacking thing. That's why when people who, like the woman with the issue of blood, just want to get one touch. She's had an issue of blood for 12 years. She's been to every doctor. She's been to the life group that's on the fringes of the church. She's been to the group, the ladies' group on the fringes of the church. She's been to this group and that group, trying to find her miracle. But because they weren't in unity and one accord and held unforgiveness and stuff in their lives, she reached out and touched, but there was nothing there. Then the Bible says she went to Jesus the Christ. And it said she didn't touch his head. She didn't go to the senior pastor. She didn't go to the altar to get prayer. She simply went, pushed through the crowd in her shame and her disgust. And she touched the very hem of the garment of Jesus. And thank God she found oil at the hem. Thank God she found oil at the hem. Like a car park in our church, a car park attendant in our church a little while ago, because he's in unity and love and connection with the, with the church's vision and where we're going. And a broken man came into the car park, would never have made it into church, but met him in the car park, didn't even make it into the building that day was too hurt to come into the building. But he prayed for him in the car park before he got out of the car park. He never made it into church. He was too hurt. He went home that day. He died later that week. He went into eternity. Thank God someone at the edge of the church, the body of Christ at the edge of the garment, had enough anointing on them, had enough of the flow on them to actually bring a miracle to this man. And today he's in heaven. I believe God wants us to flow under the anointing today. Forgiveness is at the heart of it, the great forgiveness that God gave us, the ability to forgive. I want you to bow your heads with me. Father, I thank you for your miracle power here. I thank you that you are the God of miracles. I thank you right now, right across this church, God, that the best is yet to come, that today there are miracles here, there's hope here. Maybe today you're in this place. Maybe like I talked about before, that you feel that, man, where my life's at right now, God, I need you to unlock me. I need you to come and pick me up. I need you to, to visit me right where I am. Maybe today you just need to say, God, here's my hand. I want to lift it up with the keys to my heart. 
God, here's the keys to my heart. I want you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. And friend, I want to tell you right now, if you're here today and you need to say, yes, God, here's the keys to my heart. I want you to unlock my heart and come on in. Why don't you real quick just lift your hand right now in this atmosphere. This is an atmosphere of faith and hope today, an atmosphere of God's visitation, an atmosphere where God will come to you right where you are. And friend, if that's you, why don't you just quickly lift your hand right now.